Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. This episode is all about snow. We'll start with a high-level discussion about California's outstanding ski resorts, where some things are a little different this year, but the slopes still offer the perfect escape. Regardless of what's going on uh, here in the state, all of our resorts are either open or opening very soon so people can get out and really enjoy the the outdoor air and uh, a lot of space. We'll also talk with author Tim Hauserman about venturing a little further out into nature by snowshoeing or cross-country skiing. And that's actually one of the great advantages to cross-country skiing is it's kind of off on its own. It's more like cruising out in the woods. You can find a lot of quiet, beautiful trees and there's birds and everything. So it's definitely more of a quiet, relaxing experience than downhill, which is more of a wild adventure in some ways. And Carmen Signovi of Top Flight Family tells us about taking her daughters to Mammoth Lakes for fun snow tubing and snowmobiling. That's all coming up on California Now. Under normal circumstances, this is the happiest time of year for the ski and snowboard set. As the holiday season unfolds, alpine aficionados begin monitoring weather reports and fantasizing about hitting the slopes somewhere in the Golden State. This season, however, the COVID-19 pandemic has added a layer of complexity to the process. What's open? What's closed? What's different about this season? To help us unpack it all, we've invited Mike Reitzel, president of Ski California, back to the podcast. Welcome back to California Now, Mike. Thanks for having me, Saturius. Excited to be back and, and talk to you about a very different season. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, before we get into everything that is different about this ski season, it's probably a good idea to acknowledge at least one constant. Skiing in California remains a fun, healthy outdoor activity, and the slopes are still open, right? Absolutely. That's that's the best part is that we get to experience uh, outdoor recreation, get to be out on the slopes, uh, regardless of what's going on uh, here in the state, all of our resorts are either open or opening very soon so people can get out and really enjoy the, the outdoor air and uh, a lot of space. <laughs> That's great. So let's talk about what's different this year. What should we know about this season? Well, I think the most important thing is just to know before you go and, and know what each resort is doing so you can be prepared. I mean, maybe in the past people sat around on a Friday night at 10 o'clock and said, uh, all right, hey, let's go skiing tomorrow. And they just get up in the morning and just head up to their favorite resort. But that's probably the part that's changed the most is just be prepared uh, in advance. Like look at the resort's website check the weather a little bit closer. You know, you got to know what pass you're getting, whether it's a day ticket, whether it's a season pass, what's being allowed. Do you need a reservation? Those are the kind of things you'll find out uh, if, you, if you check each resort's website. And we have those uh, direct links on the skicalifornia.org page. That's really great. So so people, there's really basically one place you can go to, Ski California, and then depending upon which resort you want to go to, you can just kind of click them all right there. That's correct. That's really great. Um, and um, what are some of the tactics to help you like know before you go? Like what are what should people be thinking about? Well, I would think a couple things. And the tickets be the number one. If you've got a pass somewhere, chances are you're gonna be you're gonna be good to go. I mean, most resorts have opened things up for pass holders. A few have reservations, so I'm sure most people are already aware of those if they have passes. And if you're buying a you know a day ticket or a walk up ticket. It's best to buy that in advance, even before COVID, frankly, because it's always a better deal to buy in advance than just walking up to the ticket booth. 
And that's the, that's the number one thing, I think, before you get there. And then possibly checking weather. Our resorts have been you know, required to manage their visitation appropriately this year. And weather can possibly impact the number of lifts that are open uh, and how much terrain is available. And that might also impact how many people can be at the resort on one day. Right, right. Let's talk about the mask rule a little bit. I could see wearing a mask being easier when you're out skiing, since a lot of people wear some kind of ski mask anyway on the slopes, right? Yeah, it's built into what we do. I think that makes it a little easier for us than some other industries where you're really asking someone to go completely outside the norm. But anyone that's been to a ski area when the weather isn't great or when it's cold out knows it's best to cover your face up. So we're just asking as an industry to do it all the time. Uh, and I think that people are willing to to do that. Um, I think they're complying with the rules. And, and we really are as an industry across the entire country, but certainly here so in California, will be 100% mask requirement uh, whenever you cannot physically distance. Right. Uh, what about the food situation? I imagine that's different this year, depending upon which part of the state you're in, right? Yeah, food and beverage is very fluid right now. Uh, you know, we're really following closely with whatever the government mandates are and just adjusting ourselves. The good thing is our resorts have been planning for this for nearly nine months. So they've been paying very close attention to what they need to do, scaling operations, moving things around. I mean, we really benefit, benefited from having that uh, extra time to get ready. But I think people should also check that out on, as one of the know-before-you-go checklist items to make sure you know what the resort is doing for food and beverage. Because the best thing to do might be to bring your own and leave it in the car and maybe head out for lunch to, the, to your car. Hmm, That's interesting. That's not, not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, what about um, hotel rooms? What's, what's going on with hotel rooms at these resorts? That one's even a bigger challenge at this point. Right now, we have some parts of the state that are in regional stay-at-home orders, which really limits what hotels are allowed to do. And if you're in that stay-at-home order, it's really limited to essential travel. So that's going to be something that people need to pay attention to on a very fluid basis. It, it could be different uh, tomorrow. Right, right. So that's so as far as like, you know, know before you go, hotels especially, you really want to know before you go. Absolutely. I think, I guess you're, you've, you've labeled three of them now. We've got tickets, hotels, and food and beverage. Pay attention to those before you, you leave your home. Right. <laughs> um, what about communal spaces generally? How different is that aspect this year? Well, the base area is, is really that heavy focus. What, what are the things in the base area that are different? And it's going to look a lot different. I mean, most of the things that resorts are doing are, are they're trying to move them outside. So that way people aren't uh, in, in indoor spaces together. And if those indoor operations are occurring, say for rentals or, or retail, it's going to be limited the number of people that can be in there. So all of our resorts are paying very close attention to that. So people just need to recognize that's something that they've probably seen before, at least that if they've gone inside any locations, that there's going to be social distancing, maybe some, uh, you know, ingress and egress changes that they need to follow, but all of it should be uh, well signed and, and uh, the staff is well trained now on what should be happening. That's really great. Um, is it your sense, like wherever I go in California, um, these guidelines are fairly consistent? Like, like this is what I can expect when I go to a ski resort? 
Yes. And that's something we've really been working on for the last eight plus months. It started with the National Ski Areas Association really bringing all of us together to try to develop a program and practices that will be consistent because we don't want people to have to think about what's different at every single resort. We want to see a similar set of practices. So when we put the Ski Well, Be Well program together with the National Ski Areas Association, that was part of that. And I think our resorts have done a really great job of implementing signage and policies that the guests will find to be consistent. What about chairlift policy? It sounds like, you know, in the interest of safety, you'd maybe not want to be seated next to a stranger or maybe even a friend that you haven't seen in a while. The chairlift policy is definitely something that's new, and we've been working on that for a while. And it's a pretty simple concept we've tried to share with guests, which is if you live together, then you ride together. So if you've got a family of four, you can get on that um, four pack and head up together. But if you don't live together, what the state is asking is that you leave at least one space in between. So make sure you leave an empty seat on the chair if you don't live together. Um, And if there are people that do not want to ride with others that they don't know, they don't have to do that. Um, Our resorts will accommodate people who are not comfortable riding with guests they do not know. That's really great. Um, So once I get off the chairlift at the top, how normal does that part feel? That might be the most normal thing in existence in our world today. Uh, Hopefully when you get off at the top, you know, that's the part everybody looks forward to anyway. The, the chairlift is merely the means to what we're really trying to do at a ski area. And so hopefully when you get off at the top, you've got that run open, you've got that wide open space. You know, we want people to get out there and enjoy that aspect of it and really hopefully feel that return to normal. And uh, that's that smile that you can have uh, with or without your mask on. <laughs> that's as, as that's really great to hear because it sounds like, you know, you just have to kind of navigate through some of these, you know, pandemic requirements. But then once you get to the top, everything is back to normal. That's exactly right. Oh, that's so great. You know, I'd, I'd love to end on an optimistic note as we are. Could you kind of gaze into your crystal ball and tell me what we'll be talking about this time next year? Well, we're looking at this as a one season deal. I think everyone is very hopeful that by the time we get to November, December of 2021, we hopefully will put a lot of this behind us. And that we can really move forward with what is more likely to be a much more normal season. So that's what I think we're excited about. Let's just come together for one season. All we have to do is make it through, you know, the next um, five to six months, get out there and enjoy ourselves. And hopefully we'll be back in 2021 talking about all the same things we're used to talking about when it comes to a great ski season. From your mouth to God's ears, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) This has really been great, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us again on California Now. No problem. Thanks, Tyrios. Mike Reitzel is president of Ski California, online at skicalifornia.org and on Instagram at skicalifornia. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
I don't know about you, but whenever I think about skiing, my mind conjures images of taking a chairlift to the top of a tall mountain, soaking in the majestic views, and then racing downhill at maximum pace. But that doesn't describe every kind of ski experience. As my next guest reminds us, cross-country skiing is an entirely different phenomenon, one that makes a lot of sense during these pandemic times. Tim Hauserman is a Tahoe native and ski instructor who's written several guidebooks, including cross-country skiing in the Sierra Nevada. He's here to tell us where to go and how to get started. Welcome to California Now, Tim. Great. Thanks for having me. So why don't we start out by defining cross-country skiing for the uninitiated? What exactly is it? Well, it actually covers kind of a wide range of different types of skiing that doesn't require a lift. And so you're kind of on your own using your own power. You can go to a resort and do what's called uh, classic skiing, or you can do skate skiing. You can go in the backcountry and do what's called touring, but it's basically just going out and skiing on your own, usually not something super steep. Uh, it's more easier terrain. A lot of it is the type of terrain you might go hiking, but it's basically just a great workout and a good way to get outside in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it really does sound like hiking, kind of perfect for, for folks looking to, you know, have a socially distanced fresh air winter activity. Yes, actually, we found last spring it was probably the best sport around because you could keep distance from each other and and the parking lots aren't that full and, you know, much less busy than you are at a downhill ski resort. Now, you're an instructor at uh, Tahoe Cross Country Ski Area, right? So what what does your job entail? And can you tell us a little bit about that facility? Is it a resort? It's a uh, cross country ski resort. And um, cross country ski areas in general are much smaller and kind of more user friendly than a downhill ski resort. Um, you know, maybe not as lively and as active. Um, but, uh, you would go in there and you could rent your skis there. Uh, you could take a lesson. You could just go out and ski on the trails if you have your own skis. Um, so I would teach lessons, you know, a couple times a day, usually when I'm working there and, uh, it kind of teaches you the basics and you can do either classic style or skate ski. What's the difference? Classic is uh, straight ahead, kind of like you're walking. It's kind of the old fashioned um, I'm making movements with my arms right now, uh, going forward and back with your legs straight ahead. And skate skiing is more like an ice skating motion where you go off at a angle off to the side. Um, skate skiing is a little harder to learn, but once you learn it, it's faster. And I love it. It's my favorite sport. So like if I'm, if I'm new to skiing and think cross country, you know, sounds more my speed than the downhill thrill, how would I get started? You could take a lesson. Uh, I would probably start out with classic because it's an easier technique to learn. And then, you know, later you could try skate skiing. Although a lot of people who are, have been downhill skiers, they can uh, go to skate skiing pretty easy because they're just used to being on their skis. So um, that's what we're seeing a lot of too, is people who are doing both and they complement each other pretty well, downhill and cross country. Do you recommend it for families? Oh, yeah. It's a great family activity. It's quite a bit less expensive than downhill skiing, too. Um, and you can also just go out in the woods. I mean, if you can rent your gear, you can just go ski somewhere um, out in the woods. But it does help a lot to go to a cross-country ski area because they groom the trails and there's trail markers. And so it's a lot easier for someone who has never done it before. So you can kind of go cross-country skiing anywhere you like, but basically you're saying at these resorts, they have, you know, trails that are easier to follow, especially if you're beginning. Yeah, easier to follow and also groomed. Uh, when they're groomed, they groom a, a flat packed down area and then they groom a track. And if you get your skis in a track um, when you're classic cross-country skiing, then that makes it much easier than trying to just do it without a track. 
Is there a lot of overlap, you know, between the uh, cross-country resorts and the the downhill skiing resorts? Not really. Uh, there are a couple that are owned by the downhill resorts, like uh, near Tahoe, North Star has their own cross-country ski area, but they're very separate. You definitely don't want to be cruising along in your cross-country skis and run into all the downhill folks. Right. And that's actually one of the great advantages to cross-country skiing is it's kind of off on its own. It's more like cruising out in the woods. Uh, you can find a lot of quiet and uh, beautiful trees and there's birds and everything. So it's it's definitely more of a quiet, relaxing experience than downhill, which is more of a, a wild adventure in some ways. Right, right. And it sounds like, you know, it's, it's a great way to experience nature, but also kind of get a workout in too. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be one of the best workouts there is. In fact, I think I think Bjorn Daly, who was this Olympic uh, level cross-country skier from Norway. They said he had the biggest VO2 max lung capacity of anybody ever recorded or something. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> because it's it's arms, legs, lungs, uh, you know, it's every part of your body that's working. So you've got me convinced. So what should I know in terms of like renting or, or trying out gear for the first time? Well, just come to a cross-country ski area and they'll give you the basics. The skis are based on weight. Um, so that's always a fun question to ask. Uh, people love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they all lie. How old are you? How old are you and how much do you weigh, right? <laughs> oh, you know, you can just come and rent skis and just go out. It's a fairly simple process. It's a lot, you know, it's pretty quick and easy and uh shouldn't be that intimidating. You can take a lesson if you feel like you really need to, but you don't have to. Uh, you can just go out and do it. I'm I'm a little curious about your backstory and and how you got into all this. I mean, did you grow up doing a lot of cross-country skiing in the Tahoe area? No, not really. Actually, you know, it's funny. I grew up in Tahoe, but I never really got into cross-country skiing until I went to, I was in grad school in Cornell in upstate New York, bored. And so I uh, tried cross-country skiing there. And then when I moved back to Tahoe after that, uh, that's what I really love to do. And I don't downhill ski at all. I just love being out away from the crowds, uh, which is what you can do cross-country. Yeah, that's really great. What about snowshoeing? What's that like? So snowshoeing is a great alternative too. That's that's definitely pretty much like hiking. It's just hiking with big feet, and um, <laughs> you can go almost anywhere uh, snowshoeing. And actually, at resorts, what we found if there's people that are super timid, they just don't feel comfortable going down sliding downhill. That snowshoes is a good alternative for them. So we've had some families where, you know, one person who's the most timid might be on snowshoes, and then someone else is on classic cross-country skis, and then someone who wants to go out a little bit more adventurous will try skate skiing. Right. I mean, but I mean, if you're cross-country skiing, you're probably going to be a little faster than the person who's snowshoeing, but you can still kind of, you know, stay together more or less. Yeah. But snowshoeing's great too. I, I love doing it, uh, especially you can go to the places where there aren't resorts and just go out in the woods somewhere. So it kind of gives you access to other places that are snow covered that you normally wouldn't be able to, you know, traverse. Yeah. That's right. And, and you can snowshoe some places that I probably wouldn't cross-country ski uh, that I may feel a little uncomfortable. But the snowshoes, because they have these big metal grips at the bottom, you can kind of go straight up a hill or straight down a hill that you wouldn't feel comfortable on cross-country touring skis. There's, you know, there's also backcountry skiing, which is closer to downhill skiing, but you go out in the middle of nowhere and do it away from lifts. So, so as far as snowshoeing goes, it sounds like, you know, if I want to stretch my legs and enjoy the crisp mountain air, but sliding just isn't my thing, snowshoeing could be my could be my go-to. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And so how would I get started? I mean, are there rentals? Yeah, you can rent snowshoes too. You know, if you've never done it before, I would either go to a resort or go to a place that's fairly 
has been used. So you can pat, uh, follow someone else's packed trail. Because if you have snowshoes and there's been two feet of new fresh snow, uh, walking through that is pretty tough. You know, that's a pretty good workout. But mm. if someone else has already walked through it or a couple of people have walked through it and packed it down and you follow their tracks, it's a lot easier. Now, now you've written a, a few books about this, uh, these topics. Uh, can you talk a little bit about them, um, what, what your books are about and, and who they're for? Okay. Well, I started, I wrote a guidebook to the Tahoe Rim Trail which is the 165 mile trail around Lake Tahoe. And, um, you know, we talked, I talked in that somewhat about winter and skiing and I've always been a skier. And after I wrote that book, I said, well, I need to write another guidebook. So I wrote, <laughs> it's called cross country skiing in the Sierra Nevada. And I'm actually in the process of updating it. It's going to be called just cross country skiing in Lake Tahoe and uh, just about the cross country skiing around the lake. But uh, it was a fun project because I got to travel around the state checking out the different cross-country ski areas and, uh, and just delving into all the aspects of cross-country skiing. Like one of the things I talk about is the types of snow that you run into and how it all makes a difference in how your skiing goes. So I thought that was fun. What makes California such a great place for this kind of activity, in your opinion? Well, we usually get the snow. I mean, there's a, there has to be a usually on that. Um, sometimes <laughs> we get a lot of snow. I mean, California can get more snow than anywhere else in the country in the Sierra Nevada. So we have snow and it's pretty accessible to people all over the state um, when there's not a stay in place order. Um, but, you know, so there, there's access to it. And a lot of the cross country skiing is pretty close to the, you know, there's roads that can go right to where you can park and go skiing. And, and then we have, especially in the Lake Tahoe area, we have a five cross country ski resorts that you could go to and um, which is, you know, one of the best places in the country for that. And then, you know, it's, you also have amazing scenery that you have, that it gives you access to. And, and, yeah, and it seems like yeah. there's um, a, a pretty uh, good uh, number of resorts that cater to this. Yeah. So here at Tahoe, we have um, Kirkwood, Tahoe Donner, Tahoe Cross Country, Royal Gorge, and North Star, just all right around Tahoe. And they all have anywhere between 30 and 100 kilometers of trail. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can go spend four or five days there and not ski the same trails. So, and they're just really good at grooming and taking good care of the snow. And so it's a great experience. Plus you can go to a couple of different resorts and see totally different views. Like at Tahoe Cross Country, you'll see some views of Lake Tahoe. Um, up at Tahoe Donner, you see these great mountain views. Uh, so, you know, it's worth, you could spend a week here and go to a different place and just really have a great time. Is that really the main difference between a lot of these resorts? Is it the the scenery that you will see or are there other differences? Uh, there's differences in how maybe how difficult the trails are. Um, most tr uh, places try to have a variety of trails. They try to have a, probably about a third beginner, a third intermediate, and a third expert level trail. So, you know, they try to cover the bases, but each resort has its own unique set of trails and slopes and whatever. So, uh, that's why it's kind of fun to go to different places because it's a different view and variety of, of what your skiing experience will be. Absolutely. Well, Tim, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Uh, you're, thank you. Tim Hauserman is the author of Cross Country Skiing in the Sierra Nevada and is a ski instructor at Tahoe Cross Country Ski Area, which you can find online at tahoexc.org. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
There are all sorts of ways to play in the snow, even without skis or a snowboard. My next guest checked out a few of these options earlier this year in Mammoth Lakes, located high in California's eastern Sierra. Carmen Signovi is the editor-in-chief of Top Flight Family, where she chronicles the luxury travel adventure she takes with her husband and two daughters. Today, she's going to talk to us about snowmobiling and tubing in Mammoth Lakes. Welcome to California Now, Carmen. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking about Top Flight Family. I spent some time uh, with your content, and I have to say it's really well done. Great writing, great advice. Can you talk about your blog? How did it come to be? Yes. So our blog actually came about from us not traveling as a family, (laughs) funny enough. Um, So uh, my husband, Serge, and I had started a business together, and we you know, woke up one day and we realized, wow, it's been three and a half years, not just since our last vacation, but since we actually took a day off from work. (laughs) And so it was one of those wake up moments where we realized, you know, this is not why we went into entrepreneurship to be sort of chained to our (laughs) businesses. And so we immediately thought, you know, something has to change. And so We very quickly booked a uh, trip to Mexico. We had some uh, timeshare points saved up. We had some credit card points saved up and uh, had an amazing time. And then we just got bitten by the travel bug big time. And uh, so we just thought, man, we, we really need to do more of this. And we started brainstorming, you know, is there some type of, you know, sort of business or some kind of a side thing we could structure around our family travels? And so when we started looking at travel media outlets, because, you know, I do have a a little bit of a media publishing background, we realized something interesting, which is that a lot of the family travel media outlets were Mm -hmm. focused only on budget travel. And then meanwhile, the luxury travel outlets never talked about kids. It's like they didn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) And so we thought there's got to be more families like us who want to travel with their kids, but want to do it in a way that's a little bit more comfortable maybe with a little bit of style. And, you know, we felt like parents are having kids later in life now. They're already used to traveling a certain way. And once they have kids, they don't necessarily want to change that up. And so, you know, based on a hunch, we started Top Light Family to really focus on luxury family travel. And, um, you know, the hunch worked out. It's been going really well ever since. So, So let's get to your trip now. You know, when you went to Mammoth earlier this year, It was part of a bigger California trip that included Disneyland. Um, On your blog, it's like one minute your daughters are posing with Chewbacca from Star Wars at Galaxy's (laughs) Edge in Anaheim, and the next minute you're a mile high and surrounded by snow. That's exactly how that day went. It was really amazing. And for (laughs) me, it was really eye-opening because um, I had always heard that there was skiing in California. Um, but we'd never experienced it. And to Mm -hmm. me, it was just, I was only vaguely aware that this thing existed. And so for us to really have that experience of literally being in Disneyland and on top of a mountain (laughs) in our ski gear on the same day was pretty mind blowing. Right. And and I think what, you know, one of the things that amazes people about California's mountains is that, you know, sometimes you can be enjoying the snow and it's like 60 degrees outside. You you barely even need a jacket. (laughs) Yeah, we absolutely had that experience. So at lunch, uh, we had lunch at um, this really cool outdoor, um, I think, Bavarian restaurant called The Yodeler. And by the time we were having lunch, the sun was out and it was literally 60 degrees that day. (laughs) And so none of us had to wear our jackets. And that was amazing because we'd only ever skied in some of the more, you know, sort of traditional (laughs) resorts or different (laughs) states uh, where it doesn't get that warm. And 
Um, it was really cool to see because I, I think it makes the culture of skiing um, also very different in California. Um, even though on this particular trip, as you mentioned, we didn't do any actual skiing in Mammoth. We kind of focused on some of the other snow activities. Mm -hmm. um, some of um, our friends who did ski on that trip uh, reported back that they saw plenty of people skiing with just a bikini top on and ski pants. <laughs> and that was something that we have definitely never seen before. So that was a really, that was really fun to hear about. Oh, that's hilarious. So, you know, you know, you did a lot of these other activities, so and including snowmobiling. So for, so for people who have never snowmobiled before, how user-friendly is it? Um, it is, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but it is definitely not difficult. Um, I think the main thing that, you know, the controls are very easy. It's pretty much like you start and you stop. <laughs> um, I think the thing that takes a little bit of getting used to is the way the snowmobile kind of sways a little bit from side to side. And it is the snowmobile's way of actually keeping in balance. But mm -hmm. For the first time, when you do it for the first time, it can feel really weird and you might feel like, oh, am I going to be tipping over? And you're actually in absolutely no danger of that. So I think once you get over that hurdle of getting used to that motion, um, then it's actually a lot of fun. So it takes a little getting used to, but I, I hear that it becomes surprisingly relaxing once you get it down. It is. And particularly because you're you know, on a snowmobile, of course, you're able to go through terrain that you wouldn't normally be able to see if you were just driving in a car, for instance. And on this particular trip, um, it was great because when we had snowmobile previously, we had done it through a national park and we had actually done it on what would normally be the roads. But of course, they were all covered in snow um, when we went. And so uh, snowmobiling in Mammoth was a very different experience because it was much more, I, I would say, you know, what is typical for snowmobiling, where you're really in the forest, in the terrain. And yeah, it was, it was really fun. You know, you get so close to nature and you're able to, of course, also, you know, move at speeds that are much greater than if you were just skiing, or at least, you know, the speed that we ski at, <laughs> which is right. not very fast. <laughs> um, and so it's just a great way to be able to cover a lot of terrain and see sites that you wouldn't normally be able to see. So definitely uh, very relaxing. Yeah. So like a really great option if you're not a super advanced skier. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and after that, you know, you went tubing. So for people who aren't familiar with tubing, what is that? So snow tubing is pretty much what it sounds like. It's you sit in a big inflatable tube. Just imagine like a, a tube that you would wear at a swimming pool, but bigger. And you sit in it and you get pushed off a slope and you go <laughs> sliding down the slope. And this was a lot of fun. So again, this is something that we had done with our girls uh, a couple times previously. But one thing that I really loved about uh, Woolies Tube Park, which is where we did the tubing in Mammoth, is in other places we've done tubing, when you the way you get back up the hill is uh, by taking one of those magic carpets, which is, you know, those kind of very slow sort of flat escalators, I guess, that go up the hill. Um, at Woolies, okay. however, they have this whole pulley system where they latch a hook onto your tube 
and it pulls you up the hill really fast. So it's actually just as much fun going up <laughs> as it is going down. Whereas in other places oh, we've funny. we've done it, um, the going up process is kind of like slow and boring. Um, so our girls were loving it. They were like, as soon as they got that's... that first hug, they're like, ah, squealing in delight. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that's hilarious. And they know there's actually a picture on your on your blog of your daughters <laughs> sliding down the hill with huge smiles on their faces. It really looks like it's it's a it's an amazingly kid friendly good time. Oh, absolutely. And it and it's particularly great because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, um, I think a lot of families feel like you, in order to enjoy a ski resort, you have to be really good at skiing or really good at snowboarding. And the reality is you don't have to know how to do either thing. There are tons of really fun activities you can do in the snow with kids, even if you don't go skiing or snowboarding. And tubing is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. And are these activities usually typically available at Ski resorts, or do you have to go to specific resorts that uh, specialize in that? Um, I th I think every resort is a little bit different, but I think some of these uh, activities like tubing or going ice skating, snowmobiling, a lot of ski resorts will offer them in one form or, an or another. Um, so it's definitely fairly common, I would say. Right, right. So now you've done a little bit of traveling uh, during the pandemic. Um, What's some of the best advice you can give to balance safety and fun? Yeah, I would say that the best advice is to follow the same common sense safety procedures you are hopefully already following when you're in your hometown. Um, so, you know, keeping the mask on, washing hands, sanitizing, social distancing. This is also a really good time to focus on um, activities that keep you outdoors most of the time. Um, so obviously, you know, <laughs> snow related um, activities are certainly one example. Um, but, you know, I really am a true believer in the fact that um, traveling is not inherently dangerous or doesn't inherently spread anything because travel today looks very different from travel in January <laughs> of 2020. Um, it's really, a, it's the whole industry has done a 180 Right, right. And, and, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's nice to think how much easier regular travel is going to be and feel like <laughs> after the pandemic, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, these days traveling takes uh, such a level of, uh, of attention to detail and organization. Um, it's definitely not quite the spontaneous experience it used to be. So yeah, when things hopefully get back to a little bit uh, of a more normal state, um, travel is going to feel very effortless compared to <laughs> what it's looking like right now. <laughs> well, Carmen, this has really been great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks for having me. Carmen Tignovi runs the blog Top Flight Family online at topflightfamily.com and on Instagram at topflightfamily. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and get a chance to hit the road soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. And please check out our website for the latest in the way of state travel advisories. It's visitcalifornia.com. Stay safe and Happy New Year.